What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rest of the Review. My name is John Hastings. Brendan Burns just sent me a message on Facebook. What's going on? Ooh, yeah. Old man using old man technology. You know how I communicate with people now, John? Uh, TikTok. Yep. I send people personal TikToks. I said, uh, they say, what the hell was that dance for, Dylan? And I'm like, <laughs> apparently someone's not cool. That dance, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that dance, man. I'm having tomorrow. chicken wings. Who wants to lick my fingers? yeah that's the only way what i do is i order two pounds of chicken wings and then if you want chicken wings you have to suck my why do you order two why do you specify the poundage because it it looks like it'd be both for it'd be one for me and one for them but it's not you're a real fickle man when it comes to food even though you're hot now you've lost all that weight oh yeah i'm really hot i've got a lot of abs because here's the thing dylan wanted to be able to body shame his wife and then she pointed out uh dylan you are three of me and he was like uh, goal acquired, goal attained. Yeah, I body shame people for a myriad of reasons, though, such as you're shorter than me, you're taller than me, you can see better than me, my hands are better than yours. That one's mo- that one I use a lot. Yeah, you do have lovely hands. I do have lovely hands. Honestly, honestly, I was a virgin for a long time because I looked down at a woman's hand and I found it disgusting Ugh. on my penis. Coarse palms, he would yell. Mm, quit cutting my nice penis that's what i would say yeah because literally the only the only year in the wwf where we know someone's penis got cut choppy choppy pee pee oh this is a this i am ashamed to say that that angle really got me back into wrestling we were 13 welcome to fan base (laughs) of course everyone listening to this probably knows but that of course was val venus uh, what was, oh my god, what was the uh, romantic interest of Kayentai's name? Anyway, found out he, Val Venus fucking ran that snake up and down the fucking drain. And, Michinoku, uh, Takamichinoku's sister yes. uh, was who he um, he had sex with in the porn that I assume was called like Rising Sun. Yeah, or something. Like, it was probably called like Sushi on Sale for free or something. Yeah. Vince McMahon's big book of stereotypes, and then Vince Russo came in, and he's like, oh, those stereotypes. Well, I actually am working out of a book called Hurtful Stereotypes, and Vince said, my word, I'm taken aback by <laughs> how wonderful this is. The manager of um, Kai and Tai was Yamaguchi-san. Yamaguchi-san's wife, yep. Mrs. Yamaguchi-san, came in. There you go. No name for her. Yeah, they showed a doesn't porno- get one. Yeah, pornographic. Yeah, it was basically like if Mark Marrow was uh, Sable came in and she was Mister Mark Marrow, Mrs. Mark Marrow. Pardon me, <laughs> Sable Marrow. We have to. We she might be a provocative character, but we have to get this across. She still has Christian morals. Yeah, very important. So what happened in that angle? And this is, by the way, the most mainstream of the sex-related angles of the Attitude Era. Oh fuck yeah! Yamaguchi-san's wife slept with Val Venus because he made a porn. Mrs. Yamaguchi-san uh, was going to the ring to be spanked by Yamaguchi-san using a wooden paddle, but she was rescued by Val Venus, turning him face. By the way, welcome to the WWF. Yeah, 1999 WWF. And then Yamaguchi-san and Kaintai showed up, put a salami on the table. Yamaguchi-san permitted to slice the salami with a samurai sword and yelled, I choppy choppy your pee-pee, 
Jesus fucking Christ. Who was he saved by? John Wayne Bobbitt. John Wayne Bobbitt, who, um, if you followed the news at all, uh, was a horrible man. Yes, but this, by the way, was the 90s, and the 90s was a woman cut off her husband's penis. No one was like, well, that she's clearly at fault. Uh, let's make a lot of jokes about that. Yeah, she uh, was abused long term and then finally lashed out by cutting off the man's penis. And you know what everyone did? They were like, let's not focus on the horrible abuse. Let's, <laughs> what, she going to cut it off so she could fucking suck it so much? Because bitches love dick. Threw it in a field. High five. Threw it in a field. The Their last public appearance was on Oprah Winfrey in April 2009. Lorna, um, Lorena said she had no interest in talking to John. They then appeared together on... The Insider, it was their first meeting after their divorce. On the show, he apologized to her for the way he treated her during the marriage. Lorena claimed that he still loved her because he continued to send her Valentine's Day cards and flowers. What a terrible fucking human being. Cool. So let's get started, though. This is really when the WWF takes off. January 12th. This is Vince. This is the height of Vince McMahon's listening to everybody because they got ideas and they're finally finding the strike zone of getting stuff on TV. Vince, we need to make sure that we are beating the WCW by the end of the year. Get me a convicted sexual criminal in Mike Tyson. Get me a salami. No need to plan anything else. We've just made a billion dollars. This is interesting, though, because Tyson is fresh off losing to a vendor Holyfield, which is biting his ear. Oh, yeah. And he's been banned for boxing for life. <laughs> yeah, for which turned out to be six months because they could make money off of Of course. Him. Don King was like, or we could just bring him back. Also, I have murdered some people. And they're like, Mr. King, I don't know why you brought a hammer to this meeting, but we get your metaphor. Get me Mike Tyson. <laughs> January 12th, they announced that Tyson had come to terms with the WWF and paid him a fuck ton of money. And they'd been wanting to work from Mike Tyson, of course, for years. They brought, they brought in Buster Douglas, by the way, at one point. Yes. Uh, they brought in Buster Douglas because he knocked Tyson out. They knocked Tyson out. That was supposed to be Tyson. And then they were like, well, let's get the guy that beat him. Buster Douglas showed up. I assume ate a lot of chicken wings and then had a nap in the middle of the ring. Yeah, Buster Douglas was fucking the heavyweight champ, and he knew that that was his time to fucking pound Bergs and be the heavyweight champ, and he lost shortly afterwards. Who gives a shit, though, baby? He knocked out Mike Tyson. Buster Douglas is the greatest transition from achievement to horrific failure so fast. Oh, no. Andy Ruiz did the same thing. He knocked out Anthony Joshua, and then he... Eat more hamburgers, came in, lost the rematch, and he was like, fuck this. Marcos Medina did the same thing. He fought Floyd Mayweather twice, and then he gained like 100 pounds in six months. And uh, it was just, the and his Instagram became amazing because it was like people being like, why isn't he in shape? But every picture was him in a fucking whirlpool with an open Hawaiian shirt smoking a big-ass cigar. And it was like, yeah, I don't think he cares about your comments. He's... He is living. He fought Floyd Mayweather twice, a guy who wins boxing matches by just like tapping you on the nose. And he was like, uh, my life was horrible before this. I have chest tattoos I did myself. Welcome to pools. Welcome to sick ass cigars. Yeah. My name is Floyd Mayweather. I am statistically the greatest boxer of all time. And I figured out a way to get that, but still be disliked within the boxing community. Who wants to watch me be a bad person? Let's make out. 18th. Of January, Royal Rumble takes place, San Jose Arena. This is interesting because 300,000 buy rate, up 56,000 from the previous year. So things are starting to turn up. And by WrestleMania, it goes fucking insane. This is the first 
appearance Mike Tyson has in the WWF. Yes, he awkwardly makes suck it gestures, and Shane McMahon is sat next to him in the booth in his private box. Um, yep. They uh, do not give Mike Tyson a um, microphone, even though... Um, no. Uh, because Mike Tyson is being, or Vince McMahon is being slammed in the New York media, he was called the High Priest of Low Life, and the article then, of course, then called Sable the House Slut, which really shows yep. um, how the '90s worked, which is like this guy's bad, but you know who else is bad? All women. <laughs> yeah, this is the crazy part where Sable takes more heat for wearing a bikini than Mike Tyson does for Robin Givens. Good, good stuff. Yeah. Exactly, and Phil Phil Muchnick, by the way, couldn't file an article. He was just too busy prank calling Vince McMahon that week. Yeah, Phil Muchnick was uh, busy with a Klan rally, so he couldn't write an article. But he just went though he just put Mike Tyson as a no no person. Yeah, and then he left that as a note, and he wanted it to be an editorial. And the New York Post said, "We'll print it." This card, by the way, at the Royal Rumble, it uh, was Vader versus the artist formerly known as Goldust. That feud was set up by Goldust showing his penis to Vader, and then they had to have a fight. <laughs> and Vader was like, let me suck it. <laughs> it's time. It's Vader. Doesn't like this time. Max Mini, Mosaic, and Nova beating Battalion, El Torito, and Tarantia. Yeah, they were doing. Uh, they were still doing experimenting with the minis. This is the interesting thing about 1998: is everyone feels like it's fully formed Attitude Era, but they're still experimenting with stuff such as uh, experimenting with the minis, the light heavyweight um, division, really trying to figure out where women fit on the show. It was determined quickly, by the way, they do not fit. Oh, the, here's the no. They did fit in a segment called Mud Wrestling Match. Basically, Vince McMahon went to like a frat house party and he said this but with people that are buff and then the attitude era he went to the, uh, he went to the duke lacrosse um uh he went to the duke lacrosse frat house and was like this but with hotter boys <laughs> yeah a lot of fun stuff happens this year steve austin of course wins the rumble by eliminating the rock i think a lot of people forget that the rock was in the main event picture like immediately yeah he comes back becomes the rock joins the nation of domination everyone is like i hate this it's guy. such a light roster during this time it's such a light roster and it's also the exact right people to shine through anyway he basically the rock is the prototype of how they promoted the shield where it's like well they don't work as baby faces but if we dress them in black and they just beat the shit out of people our fucking incel fans will love it and speaking as their representative it didn't we do <laughs> the shield was different than the rock because the rock came out and he was vince russo wrote him some really good shit patrice o'neill by patrice o'neill was one of the people that wrote was one of the established people of the character by the way this is when patrice o'neill is in the fed and r yeah. r for three weeks and then quits because he wants to go do stand-up and gives basically the basis of the rock character also at this pay-per-view is undertaker and Shawn michaels in a casket match where Shawn michaels takes so many bumps off of the side of the casket he has to do cocaine for four years <laughs> this is absolutely true yeah a doctor that was not named zahorian but was trained by him was like the only thing you can do buddy is booger sugar until you feel great I will say this, though. At this point, the WWF rings were really, really stiff. 
it was widely known that they were really, really stiff. And Shawn Michaels guaranteed that was just the straw that broke the camel's back was this fucking casket match. Yeah, they're, the bumps in this match are brutal. Like, you watch it and you're and just like... especially, like, on the edge of the casket, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's basically just, like, it's the wrestling equivalent of watching a baby just walk near a coffee table. Like, you're just like, oh, not that edge. Oh, there you found it. Oh, that edge. Oh, there you found it. If you guys want to see real, like a real, a man who's really, really over the January 19th Raw's War, people forget this, but Mike Tyson had just bit Evander Holyfield's ear, as I mentioned. And the thing about that was Evander Holyfield never really got his retribution for the ear biting. So in his place, Stone Cold Steve Austin gets his retribution. Stone Cold Steve Austin gets his retribution for Evander Holyfield coming out and uh, Mike Tyson uses a bunch of homophobic slurs Big time. because it is 1999 and he is Mike Tyson. Yeah. They do a, a back and forth. They get right in each other's face. And I'll tell you this, Austin, just purely acting wise, looks way more into fighting than Mike Tyson. So it's like people play that on their people play that on SportsCenter and it's not like Every other time you've seen an athlete on SportsCenter wrestling where, oh, look, uh, Lawrence Taylor's winning. Lawrence Taylor's kind of doing – it looks like wrestlers are way better at looking like – wrestling It looks way better when you look like you're about to get into a fight, obviously, than actually fighting. It's way easier to fi- – you know what I mean? Like, it looks way better than if Austin would have locked up with them. It's also because it's the first time Vince McMahon's acknowledged as the head of the company, which they can report on SportsCenter, and – it's the entire clip is um, the exclamation point on the entire thing is Vince McMahon screaming, "You ruined it! You ruined it!" Which sets up yeah, the this entire is, in feud. In Vince McMahon's mind, it this is when it's okay that Vince is becoming the heel that he was always meant to be because Mike Tyson is a short-term thing. Shawn Michaels is now going to be um, away from wrestling full stop. So now what is he left with? Vince McMahon is literally left to rely on himself and he gets to become what he's always wanted. Uh, also, uh, Juanita McMahon, uh, Vince McMahon Sr.'s second wife and Vince McMahon's bitter enemy, dies on January 17th from liver cancer. Vince McMahon put her at the front of an acknowledgement at the front of Raw and then had to be talked out of then going into the ring and explaining that he has her corpse and he is going to now be the daddy. <laughs> I'm going to bury her in a match against The Undertaker. Ha, ha, ha. Fuck you, Juanita. <laughs> That's what he was going to Fuck you, fuck you, bitch, bitch. What? Ha, 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 ha. Showing extreme sensitivity, this is the same Raw where they acknowledge the accomplishments of Martin Luther King Jr., which they had to do because the week, um, uh, because they knew next week Shawn Michaels was going to call a fan a monkey. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is in full co this is also when if you ever wondered if Shawn michaels is from cocaine and also does texas welcome to this exact (laughs) story right there this is also the time where they um get on tv and dx apologizes because they're gonna say a bunch of homophobic shit and suck my ass and my dick if you don't want yeah they're apologizing to straight people for reminding them that gay people exist that's what the apology was it was (laughs) really fucking vince mcmahon welcome to wrestling everyone it's a nightmare that you'll never wake up from and yet we still give that guy money I had a VHS of like DX uncensored and of course a lot I rented of it, it from Rogers was venue. just them 
walking around Times Square being racist to Indian people. Oh yeah, They're... like that was most. And most of it was just someone being like, "You want to buy a watch?" And then Triple H would be like, "Oh, why is your face different than mine? That's bad." And then he would go, "The game, eh, game over." Yeah, <laughs> basically Triple H is just faster as Heart, by the way. So that's how you do Triple H. Anyway, we uh. The game. Yeah, we we when Triple H's kids start coming out and they all just resemble that faraway look that Smithheart has, we'll know why. <laughs> Although Triple H's first kid came out and then immediately um, blew all of the afterbirth out of his mouth, just like uh, <laughs> Triple H. Does. It was a her. I hate that I know that it's three daughters. Uh, and uh, nope, kill it. No, we have to keep it for the media. That's what Stephanie said. We can't kill it. We'll just give it a penis later. All right, Dave, but I'm not holding it in. <laughs> Call Shane. So, His sons are mine now. It's all about the game. And you play it. Uh, Vince McMahon also appeared on Off the Record. The yes, silver two days in a row, buddy. It's the silver bullet of wrestlers. They should really learn not to go on this show because Michael Landsberg likes Bret Hart and also likes asking tough questions of wrestling people, such as, why are you a monster and why is your penis out? To which Vince McMahon just says, because there's a camera, laughs, pisses, leaves. This is also because Michael Landsberg, if you've watched uh, Canadian t- uh, Off the Record, sorry, which a lot of wrestling fans have because at this point it was like mainstream television that would actually talk about wrestling uh, like it was fake, like break kayfabe. Michael Landsberg did more cocaine than professional wrestlers. I guarantee you Vince McMahon saw Landsberg just hoover a whole plate of coke and then was like, I'm in trouble. This guy knows my tricks. <laughs> and then... Proceed, but I do think, you know honestly, if Michael Landsberg did a bunch of coke? A hundred percent, he did. Yeah. How do you know? Because he was on. Uh, because one of the people we know was on the show was uh, um, backstage at the show because he was bringing a wrestler into town to do stand up, and Michael Landsberg and Roddy Piper were just talking about how hard it was to not do blow all the time. I mean, that's really good, and I know exactly who it was. That plus, look at his face. He's like addicted to plastic surgery. Anyway, Michael Landsberg is like. He's like a real, he's like, um, if you've ever seen, if you're familiar with American sports television, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Landsberg is like Stephen A. Smith, but he's like smugger and he got kicked off the air. I'm assuming because like there were just so many people like Michael Landsberg now, but this is a real, yeah, Michael Landsberg was basically Mike Goldberg in terms of drug abuse. What you're saying, Jim Rome in terms of attitude, which you should not exactly. combine. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like in your face, but a 90s in your face. Yeah, so you're in your face, but the graphics are superimposed. And there's a fucking <laughs> explosion at the end of that. And was it sponsored by Keg Steakhouse? Bet your fucking ass it was. Yeah, like people weren't on the lookout as much for people who were just like say super rude things and then just go, but I do love the troops. And everyone would be like, well, he does love the troops. Yeah. But now people are media savvy. So they know I do love the troops is like. Is code, yeah, f- I don't is code for you haven't even found the thing I'm worried about yet. Yeah. So I think that Vince McMahon is kind of just playing the Mr. McMahon character. Like a lot of the first parts is here. Uh, But I'm going to say he is playing the Mr. McMahon character, but he's playing the Mr. McMahon character in that the part that is very much himself is this part where it's like, this is me. I am he's this just guy. turning it up. Yeah. Because he's I mean, not I, again, I don't think he's turning Vince it up. McMahon yet. Like people think of Mr. McMahon character and they think of 2000 and to Vince McMahon where he's like the full cartoon Vince McMahon. He's formal he's formulating that character very much during now and he's using the Montreal screw job to do it. Like he knows that 
Vince McMahon knows that like who are his top who are his top heels right now. His top heel is Dude Love is like his wrestling proxy a lot of the time, and people love Stone Cold Steve Austin, but they also love Dude Love. This is February, really so his top heel is Sean because we're still in the build up to WrestleMania. When does Sean say that he's gonna not wrestle after anymore, WrestleMania? Is, is when they re- they know internally, but it's only really announced post WrestleMania when he just never comes back and becomes the commissioner towards the end of this year. But again, this is I, this is the the perfect mix of Vince McMahon's hubris and him listening to people, and it's exemplified in this appearance on Off the Record as opposed to other ones. In that he goes after Brett, he says things like Brett only thinks he's a Canadian hero in his mind, which I completely agree goes to him saying. Him playing the beginning stages of the Mr. McMahon character, he knows that's not true, and it gives Michael Landsberg the opportunity to be like, well, that's not true. Vince can then just cut him down. I think a lot of the stuff he has to say about Brett is really accurate. Absolutely. um, Such as he had buyer's remorse on Bret Hart giving him all his money, and he realized it was one of those things where he's up in a competition against WCW, and he's caught in the... It's funny because we just did a page, recorded Patreon episode about Bulldog, but it's the same thing. I guarantee the Bulldog contract was really informative because he signed Bulldog. He probably signed Bulldog for more money than he wanted to. Had buyer's remorse, realized this guy's kind of fucking old now. Um, this was a couple years ago because I don't want everyone to jump to WCW. So he does the same with Brett, and then he looks at it, and he's like, wait a minute, this guy's 40 now. He's been a great wrestler for my company for 12 years he doesn't really fit in with what i'm moving towards which isn't wrestling anymore it's just edge and like more of a just a straight up tv show so i'll let this dude walk to wcw and i can get three or four great wrestlers for this who i can then come up with characters for who will fit into this product way, way better. He also acknowledged by saying that he regret inviting Melanie uh, Pillman on Raw. He said, I don't regret it whatsoever. The purpose of having Melanie uh, on was because at the time, Brian Pillman was a real free spirit. Brian Pillman was known from time to time to use recreational drugs. (laughs) He was a free spirit. He had a gun. Yeah, (laughs) it was thought at the time. (laughs) I guess you could say I'm a bit of a free spirit. That means I own six fucking machine guns. Sorry. This is the scary part. And it was thought at the time by his wife that one of the re- that was one of the reasons that uh, why he died. Basically, it was like at the time his wife thought he died of drugs. I did. He was wrong. He died because he wanted to get away from her. Is what I re- I'm reading Vince McMahon into this. No, he said it was a pre-existing heart condition that in <laughs> that in the implication is yeah because heart conditions aren't exasperated at all by fucking doing a buck knife of coke and then just injecting steroids into whatever. No, no, they're in Vincent says like it's exasperate. I don't have heart problems because guess what? I got a happy marriage. And then Linda has a faraway glance out a window and leaves for two weeks. And Vince just keeps talking to a radiator that he thinks is why is his wife. <laughs> Linda, too hot. But he's doing a lot of great stuff. Like Vince is like they do the word word association is something they always did on off the record back in these days. And he's clearly courting a lot of like people talking online by just saying like uh, he says Bruno San Martino has dementia, which is fantastic. So good. He called Jesse Ventura overrated at the time and still is confused about his place in the history of the WWF. Exactly. He says uh, Kevin Nash was fortunate basically that I fucking found out about him because he's a fucking puss bag. Um, and Hulk Hogan is overrated. Like he's just doing, he's doing shit that they would obviously do. Um, this is around the time that WCW is getting real panicked as well because WrestleMania 
buy rate is 730,000 up almost a half a million from the previous yeah they're basically realizing that they've got they have something um they have something and they're on the the way back up and they capitalized yep. on that by making sure the dx band plays the weirdest version of america oh the beautiful my God. ever it's so bad the honestly america the beautiful by the dx band and i forget what the last aew pay-per-view were Cody Rhodes's band played his theme song. Those are tied for the worst. Oh, and Motorhead did a really bad version of Triple H's. You're the game. He's the game. Yeah, game. Yeah, game, yeah. He just game. forgot these. Uh, time to play the game, and it's always the game. Game, game, game. Who are you? Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> I was told we were getting paid in advance. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I thought this would be recorded. Stop looking at me. Yeah. Where Where is my shoes? Uh, LOD 2000 <laughs> redebuts in the very confusing tag team battle royal. They are accompanied by Sunny. This is the best re-debut ever and is followed up by them being one half on drugs, other half being an enabler, and fizzle out quickly. Yeah, well, this is when Hawk comes back and the first time Hawk comes back and he has not even a hint of abs. Like, not even a hint of being in shape. Hawk has been in a cabin doing cocaine. And let, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, let me say this. This overall, not to run down this whole card, this is the, because we're somehow we're almost half an hour in and we're in March. This is the best pay-per-view Vince McMahon ever put on because it is literally all sizzle, no steak. Uh, every single match is weird. There's odd stipulations, and the crowd is into it. I remember it so fondly. I remember like the VHS came out, and I got up early to go because I'm like, I gotta see. Like this is months after it's all taking place, and it's like I gotta see this shit. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, this is wrestling is so hot back then and and it's like people like holy shit um people like um me and you who would watch wrestling during down periods are watching this again and can actually talk to people about it which you have no idea how insane it would be if people just started watching wrestling again you know what i mean where it's like oh now all of a sudden you can talk about wrestling and not feel self-conscious yeah, it's again, it's it's the time period. This is the beginning of the time period where people were like, oh yeah, I watched that because of Vince McMahon. This is a massive, huge moment in marine wrestling. Well, this is the last WrestleMania for a while, if you think about it. The Vince McMahon himself isn't a central character this is, around the I mean, this is thing. the fr- this is, I would say, the last WrestleMania ever where a McMahon isn't in some way a central character. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, loses to Shawn Michaels. That's right. Mike Mike Tyson Tyson. pees in his mouth. Yeah, he gets dysentery, dies. Shawn Michaels then sells the belt for cocaine. The uh, WCW wins the Monday Night War, and Vince McMahon commits harikari on the steps of the Atlanta Town Hall. Thank you, everybody. That was the year of Vince McMahon. We probably should have parsed it out more. See you later. Bye. But this, I want to, I do want to revisit the Tyson Austin confrontation because that Austin Tyson confrontation on Raw and Vince McMahon screaming at Austin does such a great thing because you can understand Austin's motivation, which is this is my fucking ring. You're not fucking stealing my shine. Vince McMahon has not let me wrestle. He's not let me prove myself. And now he's fucking parading Mike Tyson around like this guy's earned something. And you look at that versus you look at, and then Vince McMahon's character where he's so mad at Austin because he spent all this money to bring in Tyson and now Ty- and Austin's ruined the ceremony. 
and you can totally see both motivations, and it is the start of a heel turn for McMahon, but it's a heel turn done in a way that they don't really do in wrestling very often, where it's like, you can totally understand why Vince McMahon was mad. Like you can to- Vince McMahon, in his mind, is totally justified, and if you look at it from his perspective, of course he's justified. This guy fucking ruined, he spent so much money, and now fucking he's made a spectacle out of himself. Yeah. Like, this isn't about you, this is about the company. And that is how you make great characters, where it's like you take an understandable reason they would be angry, and then you just fucking blow it up and they go nuts and they overreact. That's all you got to do. 100%. If, if this happened now, you'd be fucking Tyson Fury coming out. It's funny because this did happen now. Tyson Fury wrestled a match against Braun Strowman and won. And no one, no one even remembers or cares. That's how badly that was done, by the way. But you could have done the exact same thing where Tyson Fury could have come out, Braun Strowman gets in his face, they push each other, and then Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman end up being friends, so you've subverted the need for them to actually have a confrontation and for someone to lose. These dudes are as tough as the real tough guys. That's the whole point of wrestling. Yeah, but they don't do that. And Instead, they just do hot stuff like... Yeah, Kane Kane Velasquez gets d- dressed down for not having a hot body by Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, by the way, <laughs> full cried when he saw Kane Velasquez take his shirt off. Like, he just uncontrollably started weeping. Yeah, he just went not even tanned, and he started weeping. But this is the th- like this is if that would happen now, not to labor a point, but if that would happen now, Austin would have come out and made some silly jokes about Mike Tyson, and then Mike Tyson would have raised his hand, and he would have been like, oh, okay, sorry, you're taking this serious. And that would have been the Mike Tyson-Austin segment now. Anyway, great job, Vince McMahon. I'm sure you're listening to this, and you finally waited for the approval of a guy who, up until a pandemic, was a comedian, and now is just man on couch. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you you were really looking for the approval of two guys both of whom who have J-O'd in the morning just so the day can get worse. Yeah, two guys with uh, with who do have um, diseases, but they're not serious enough that anyone will bother to ever cure them. <laughs> Psoriasis and... Uh, and what's yours called Dyspraxia, again? baby. Mine's not yeah, a disease. Psoriasis and dyspraxia. They are number 500 and 501 on priority lists now. Oh, this guy can't. This guy can't catch a ball. Good. Go fuck yourself. This guy. Oh wait, this guy's got scaly skin, but it's uh, cured by just not eating chocolate or bread. Suck my asshole, buddy. Yeah. Too bad. I'll be doing both of those things. My name is Dylan. Can I have some Nutella? Hold mm. the crusts. Yeah. I'm gonna put a uh, bacon and Nutella sandwich, and I'm gonna eat it outside of the nude, so everyone knows <laughs> I'm a wolf. Yeah. And you can't catch me. Who wants to watch me digest? Oh, everyone does. So we're moving into April finally, and this is April 13th. We should uh, leave off on this and then have a break. April 13th, Rob eats Nitro for the first time in 83 weeks. They, of course, go back and forth, which I do think is not mentioned. Everyone says, oh, at the end of this 83 weeks, a Rob eat Nitro, and then Nitro, not one person watched it, and it was never fun again, but 1998 is... Like, Goldberg is in full swing and is as big as Austin. It's pretty crazy. Goldberg, of course, would eventually steal Austin's role in Universal Soldiers and be the most brilliantly marketed character by Kevin Sullivan because he was basically like, get me a bald guy with black trunks and a goatee. 
That's how people will describe it. We'll steal uh, viewers from them using that, and it definitely worked. Yeah, and honestly, if you look at Austin and you look at Goldberg, Austin's way better on the mic, but you look at the matches, and it's like, Goldberg's exactly what you want to happen. It's crazy that, like, they haven't done this now because it's like Goldberg is the most jiffable wrestler of all time. Spear, Jackhammer, everything was great. We're done. Why do you think that they they keep bringing him back, baby? Because he basically looks exactly the same, just with a gray goatee. Yeah, he looks he exactly the same. And, juicy. And that prince in Saudi Arabia knows who he is. God, I wish. I still wish I was on. I was. Um, I was at the meeting where he was like, "What the hell." I was at the meeting where uh, he was like, can you have Yokozuna wrestle? And they were like, oh, God, he's dead, though. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Um, they have made some deals with dictators. Deal, 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 deal. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with, I'm going to guess, a whole hour of talking about 1998. Mm. Take it off, Dylan, and then put something else on. Let's get it right this time because Dylan real screwed up the last one. Ladies and gentlemen, come see us at the Dorchester Country Club in Dorchester, Ontario. Tickets are $25. Then the available on brownpapertickets.com. You can find the link somewhere. Dylan, talk now. Oh, go click into the info part of this episode. Brownpapertickets.com, Dorchester, Ontario. I don't really fucking know where it is, but there's a dinner and show option for 50 bones. And then there's $25 for just the show. Please fucking come. We get to do stand-up again. We really, really like it. Come to the show, lie down on a couch, and we'll make out immediately afterwards. All tongue, no lips. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's June or something, right? No, we're doing April because so much shit happens this year. April, uh, DX invades WCW. And that biggest mistake Eric Bischoff ever made. Bischoff could have won the Monday Night War. No, Bischoff could have bought himself another year if he had opened that gate. Because Vince McMahon always has been like, just you just go on the other person's show. You go on the other person's show. Um, if I'm Eric Bischoff and I have like the Southern crazies that I have being employed by my company, it's open the gate, get me Tracy Smothers, get me Ming, get me bad stepped on cocaine i'm gonna tell them that the road dog gave it to me and ming is nev never gonna stop beating him up yeah that that would have been really bad if ming and the barbarian came out like i don't think people can really appreciate how bad that would have been and the other thing is it would have been the first simulcast because wcw would have got but i mean what if it because this is this is the other thing it's wrestling so it's all based on reputations legitimately how crazy it would have been if billy gunn just like knocked out <laughs> like what? just beat them both up so badly and then the wwf had to have been like i guess billy gunn's just the champion now the bigger problem also would have been uh what supposedly kevin nash and scott hall were screaming open the gate um and that would have fucked them on both sides because they're going, oh, WCW's really bad. And then Hall and Nash could have basically been like, we're with DX. DX is cool. It would have extended the NWO gimmick. There would have been so much stuff that's very good. Yeah, I mean, it would have been really interesting. I mean, they all said like, oh, they would have fought them and stuff. But like, I don't know. I can't. And wrestling does. Like, think about the Brawl for All and how that ended and how everyone hated the Brawl for All. Because you went to the Brawl for All and who was going to win the Brawl for All? Dr. D 
was going to win the brawl for all. And just David Schultz, by the way, they they were originally going to bring back David Schultz. They're going to bring back David Schultz, the... and he was going to be like, "I'm going to suck off everyone in this fucking match." I got a crossbow, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the who's going to win? Doctor Death was going to win. He got knocked out by Bart Gunn. Everyone got knocked out by Bart Gunn. Did they push Bart Gunn? No, because the they didn't like Bart Gunn. Exactly. Like this is what the UFC. Do you think the UFC? The UFC is what Conor McGregor is huge because he's like one of the only professional wrestlers who can actually fight. Yeah, he's a professional wrestler in the UFC. Like yeah. he's literally just saying. And even he was called. Like there's people who could be Conor McGregor most likely who he's just never fought. Me, John yeah. Hastings. John could. Yeah. Easily. I'll distract Connor. Hey, Connor. Okay, yeah. Hi. Hi, John. That's your wife. And then he'd be like, huh? And then I'd shoot him in the knee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. John gets to have a gun in the match. Oh, you thought it was UFC? Tricked you. But this is interesting because Bischoff Bischoff challenges McMahon to a fight to try and gain some hog back. This is so good. Hulk Hogan apparently sat Eric Bischoff down and was like, you don't want to do this. If he shows up, he'll fucking kill you. And I guarantee, and this has been confirmed, Vince McMahon had to be prevented from going and beating him up. I don't think, I because he, Vince McMahon very smartly doesn't, he just means, in his head, he's like, oh, we won. Because now they're directly calling me out. They have a pay-per-view match where he gets counted out, so Eric Bischoff beats Vince McMahon. They just didn't promote that right. It's one of those things where... They, it was the wrong character. If they had done that, all they needed to do to do that properly is to have it be H- Hogan doing it, not Bischoff. Because that fits way more into Hogan's thing. He's he's the dastardly bullshit heel, all that sort of stuff. And also that would hurt Vince McMahon personally a lot more. Because Vince McMahon in his head is like, Eric Bischoff is no challenge. Hulk Hogan, that's also like, that's press, the press release that he'd have to acknowledge Hulk Hogan, all of that sort of stuff. That's the the only difference in that whole thing is it should have been Hogan calling him out. Really? You think so? I know so. Because to me, that puts him on a level with Hulk Hogan. It's like, yeah, of course we'll fight. We're both old men. Stone Cold Steve Austin will beat you up, but I guess me, an announcer, has to fight you. Then he should have called out, that's a great point, that he should have called out Steve Austin. If you're going to call him out, it's he did. you. Goldberg use a did call out Steve Austin. Goldberg was like, I would actually beat him up in a fight. And I was like. But it was after that. It was well after that. Yeah. And, of course, Vince McMahon, yeah, of course, gets counted out by uh, and is 0-1 in WCW. Did you know that, John? I did know that, actually. He's the reverse Goldberg. <laughs> so, Sable returned to television after uh, losing a loser leaves town match, which to was Mark Merrill. Or Mark Merrill, yeah, uh, pinned him real hard, real hot. Um, then um, it uh, sets up also what Vince McMahon, Steve Austin, going at each other in a Austin with one end tied behind his back match. Dude Love comes out, becomes Vince McMahon's proxy for the next two pay per view battles. In the most interesting use of the wrestler that prepares the mid card guy. To face the champion, they use that strategy, but on the champion, and you get two of the best matches of Steve Austin's career. The Unforgiven match is a great starter. The Over the Edge match is the most perfect use of Steve Austin's inability to do a lot of wrestling moves because he has a terrible neck, and Mick Foley basically able to sell all sorts of damage. It's the first match in a long time for the WWF Championship that has no rest holds in either of those matches. Phenomenal things. 
Go take a look, everybody. Oh, take a look. Yeah, they're starting to do, as of June and July, they're starting to do way more interaction with Vince. Like, the Stooges aren't fully in place yet. They're still fucking around. Sergeant Slaughter is still being used as the third Stooge, which we all realize is like when uh, Pete Best was in the Beatles. Time to boil it down to the core, too, baby. Yeah, no, but they had, because uh, they originally it was Doc Hendricks, Michael P.S. Hayes was maybe going to be another one of the Stooges, but he get because he gets thrown into a lagoon and uh, when him and Vince, sorry, Vince and Austin have an arm wrestling match, Austin beats Vince. This is important oh, too yes. because Vince comes out just shredded with the baby oil, looking the juiciest boy he's ever looked. Yes, is this at the foot foot brawl when he throws? Do- is that is that at the foot brawl where they throw Doc Hendricks into the lagoon? Yes, and they throw Vince McMahon into the lagoon as well, so it's like less serious. It's less serious physical confrontation. So the serious physical confrontation is the stunner and MSG and like actually beating down Vince and stuff like this. But it's not as serious because if the heel and a heel is going to be one of the main characters on the show for Vince, let's remember that always he wanted the he want. It's light entertainment is what I'm getting at. And he, even though it is the Attitude Era, he still wants that kind of like silly vibe to it, which is why he's yeah. like, it's more like a action-adventure show now, whereas in the 80s it was like a different type of action-adventure show where it's like he's using it more on like the bat- 60s Batman model where you have just a bunch of fucking villains come in and Batman beats them, but they can come back the next week, whereas Vince, it's going to be the same bad guy over and over again just with proxies fighting on his behalf. Uh, also, a big thing to note is what, Dylan? That... Um, John loves his mother very much. I do. She's a nice woman. Also, the foot brawl, which we alluded to, was a massive show scheduled on the 8th of July, co-produced by the New England Patriots. It was canceled due to lack of attendance, even during the beginning of the hottest period. Also, it's just fun to know that Bob Kraft and Vince McMahon had to have a conversation. I assumed it was mostly grunting, followed by two men being like, no, I'm the top. So this is fun because as in August on August 3rd, uh, the Observer reports basically WWF has started asking female fans to take their tops off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're getting real 90s. Website, this, is very, like, this is very 90s. Because oh, in yeah. the 90s, by the way, if you went to a Blink-182 concert, basically if you went anywhere in society, I'm a sweaty man and dig out your jibs. There was a Motley Crue concert. That sweaty man, to. by the way, that sweaty man, Dylan Gott. There was a Motley Crue concert I went to and Tommy Lee. This was 2007? Tommy Lee came around with a camera and uh, he, he learned it was no longer the 80s because he, he had the uh, on the Jumbotron, they would show women in the audience, right? And then Tommy Lee was like, you, show your tits. And everyone cheered. And then you saw her in the camera with her arms crossed go, no. And then he was like, come on, I'll whip it out. And then some people cheered, and then she went, no. And they switched, and then some lady next to him and just had her tits out the whole time, but was more, like, age-appropriate for Motley Crue, because clearly it was like a bro had taken his girlfriend to see Motley Crue, and I'm assuming (laughs) no longer could listen to Motley Crue if they're still together. It was the greatest moment of my life. He went, whatever, you're a bitch anyways. Good stuff. I went to an ACDC concert, and... During a whole lot of Rosie, they definitely play it longer, and they just put on the screen 
something that alluded to taking out your jugs. Welcome to rock and roll. And women did. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He, see, they're classy. They're, they didn't put the camera and put a woman on the spot. They just went, if anybody wants to show their yo-yos, let's see some jokes. I think I think they basically were just like, just remember, remind everyone we're ACDC, they're Motley Crue. And everyone was like, that's a good point. And in, and in celebration of that, great news. Here's some tug material. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> Yeah, and then John jacked off at the concert. I mean, not at, immediately afterwards. And then he in went, a, mm, did um, someone want mayonnaise on their sandwich? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh I got TNT. Oy, 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 oy. So August 10th Raw, the greatest moment in professional wrestling happens. Choppy, choppy, PP, as we talked about off the top. John, why is this better than any match you've ever seen? Uh, it involves everything that is great about the Attitude Era. Just a man getting attacked physically with a sword and then being stopped at the last minute for no real reason. And they did it over the course of one week. And that's it. Welcome to Vince Russo's Booking the Territory. Time to get fucking crazy, everybody. Here's what I want to ask you. is What is more sexist and racist than this angle? Is there anything more sexist and racist? It's a perfect combination of all things sexist and racist. Like, it's got it all. <laughs> Uh, I want uh, that as a no context wrestler review for sure. He, he you said that he, so earnestly. You were like, "Let me, <laughs> let me just take, <laughs> let me just take a second here and talk about how sometimes sexism and racism come together to make a perfect salad <laughs> of entertainment." Well, here's the thing with wrestling: is there's things that are more racist for sure, and there's things that are more sexist, absolutely. But this is both of them at the same time. Yeah, where it's like she wants to get done so bad, she'll do it on TV. Also, she's <laughs> defended by stereotypes. Also, yes. Also, we do Also, she doesn't have a name. Also, um, yeah, she doesn't have a name. The only thing that would have been better is if that if Kai and Tai would have taken him to like a restaurant they owned and just kept on serving guests or something. Uh oh, that's Kai and Tai at the door. Oh no, choppy choppy my pee pee. Oh <laughs> I want you to watch that with, with Deirdre and I want to put that on Patreon. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I wanna not. see how just upset. I wanna see if you can how quick a divorce can She would just be just like, why do you do this? Why why do you why do you and and Dylan's wife's husband subject yourselves to watching this nonsense? You say, and then you say, because it's art. Yeah, and then I say it's art, and then she goes, "I'm an art history major," and I go, "I'll leave," and then we get divorced. Yeah, but also in the audience, it should be mentioned were a young Milo Yamanopoulos and uh, Ben Shapiro, and they said, "This is this is what I," and they stood up and said, "This is what I think." Now. Both of those people are Dylan. I'm just me, John. <laughs> okay, let me know. SummerSlam, August 30th, the highest buy rate in the history of SummerSlam. 700,000 people up 465,000. Uh, and you know why? They want to see The Undertaker and they want to see Steve Austin battle it out using uh, a bit of the Empire State Building and a bit of the Sears Tower, respectively. Wrong, but close, because the Insane Clown Posse were on this and. The oddities were too. John, why are the oddities the best stable in wrestling history? Under uh, Earthquake and a tall guy. Also, who was at the kickoff show at the Intrepid for this SummerSlam event? I was. <laughs> are you, were you really? I certainly was. I was visiting my dad when he lived in New York, and we went to it. You're and really? my main memory is uh, Michael Hayes saying a Monica Lewinsky joke that was so weird, the wrestling fans all just went collectively, ugh. 
What did he say? He was like, Nah, man, you, you, that woman, fat bitch, sucked his cock. I can tell you exactly what it was, which was Todd Pettengale was there, full mullet, looking real luxurious. And Todd's like, Man, the WWF is so big now, even Mona Lewinsky is going to be here. And then I remember the specific Michael Hayes grabs the microphone and goes, You can tell from the stain on her dress. And the entire crowd just went, yeah. Well, I mean, a dress stain joke is that was everyone said. And then she, she that bitch is covered in cum. I thought that's what he was going to say. Again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There is yet to have been clarification on all the cigar comments that were made at the time. And I will go to my grave still being like, can someone explain to me what the fuck was implied by that? Yeah, I mean, Michael Hayes trying to make a joke would just be way better if he just made a comment. Yeah, like no, I Michael was Hayes a- just giving his genuine opinion on how he plugs in a. Hey, let me tell you why I don't like fax machines, everybody. <laughs> um, I'm going to put the cigar in her ass and then just yeah, like, so, what yeah. are you talking about? Ah, I'm a free bird. Yeah, yeah, I'm a free bird, everybody. Ever tell you the time that I was with a lady? One thing led to another, and I did two years for su- supplying cocaine to the president of uh, <laughs> Poland. Um, the Stone Cold Steve Austin beats... The Undertaker uh, in a singles match. More like Stone Old. (laughs) But this is the important part about The Undertaker, is if The Undertaker's in a main feud for the title, then they're light on people, and they're still light. They certainly are. And by the way, this was a phenomenal match. Phenomenal. We also are missing... did Did we skate by the King... Yeah, we skated completely by King of the Ring, by the way. It's not a major pay per view, so I don't care. What happened in King of the Ring then, John? Mick Foley nearly died, and The Undertaker had a broken foot, and Vince McMahon was like, get them both in the ring. King of the Ring 1998 was quietly one of the most important things for the success of the WWF moving forward, and I'm going to say that because that clip right there, it differentiated the WWF from WCW because you can go, I don't think anything, this is the only time in modern wrestling where a fan can go, I don't believe that anything else in that is real, but I just saw a guy get thrown off a fucking cage and he definitely was hurt. This is a much better product. Yes, this is when people start having to... It's a weird thing about wrestling during this period where it's like, it since kayfabe's been broken and everyone knows that wrestling's fake, um, people do feel comfortable watching it, but the wrestlers themselves feel the need to be like, oh yeah, it's fake? Then why did I shoot my own toes off? And you're like, well, yeah, I still know it's fake. You just did that. I mean, you're tough. And he's like, I am tough. Now, if you'll excuse me, throw the toes in the river because I don't even want the toes. Vince McMahon didn't realize by hiring Mick Foley, it's like, um, uh, uh, wrestling's fake. And Mick is like, well, I'm going to make people doubt that and everything else they know. And they're like, no, no, you don't need to do that. And he's like, oh, excuse me. Oh, hi, everyone. It's Mrs. Foley's little boy. Now I just put a bunch of bullets in my actual heart and I haven't died. This is to be said, though. He wanted to do de- he wanted to do like exploding ring death matches. Uh, mankind did, and they were like, "No." And he was like, "Well, then I'll find a way to hurt myself more." <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't let me do what I want, I'll work around your rules, sir. Oh yeah, baby. Talking about you and me. Talking about sex, baby. <laughs> How about this? Mr. Foley's little boy got AIDS intentionally. How's that for <laughs> hardcore? Yeah, that was stuff. one of his plans was to just inject himself with Ebola and see how quickly he could spread it in the United States. 
hundred percent. He was just like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to let you know that I've got a gun. Yeah. CZW cage of death is the direct reason for COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah, eating yeah, yeah. each other's. They had an eat each other's shit match and rub it in the wounds, and the loser had to fucking I don't know <laughs> turn their dick inside no, out. No, no, keep going, keep going, keep oh, going. Yeah, yeah. And then once their dicks turned out inside out and cut off, they have to actually fucking get their mom to eat their own son's dick, and they did, and that's how COVID nineteen started. Yep, that all of that sounds right to and me. And then mankind went, "You're not gonna put one over on me." And oh, then he cut both his feet, up, of feet off and then fucking cut his dick off and put his dick as a connector in his feet and then ate both his feet. Like Old Mankind likes this a lot. Oh, hey, it's me, Mankind. I'm dude kind. Ha ha, isn't that funny? Why won't you look at it? Everyone knows I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Can you stop stabbing me? That's part of the match. I shouldn't have planned this, though. <laughs> Why do I? And think about the things that get uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin over. Stunners all over the place on a broken back. Or sorry, on a broken neck. Stone, uh, mankind jumping off of a fucking cage. Uh, Sean Michaels being homophobic. So who really? Yeah, Dylan's so favorite. That's why Dylan loves Sean Michaels so much. By the way, he's just like, oh yeah, I, I only like DX Sean Michaels. Yeah, he only likes DX Sean Michaels and Mike Tyson's first appearance. Everything else, he's like, they lost their edge. That's what Dylan says. He has it. We're jumping around a lot, but Vince McMahon makes the very smart decision of going get me the insane clown posse. They're insane <laughs> and they're a posse. But this is the interesting thing about the insane clown posse during this time, where it's like. I remember my this guy Alex Bolo was like listening because I listened to the rap music quite a bit at the time, and Alex got the CD and we were supposed to listen to Insane Clown Posse together, and we listened to it and we had heard it was the most hardcore fucking rap whatever fucking oh my god it's so hardcore and then it was literally just them being like Santa's a pussy, and calling out Santa and we were like what the fuck is this did I get the wrong thing because this is just short guys yelling at Santa. I don't care if you're from Detroit. Your life isn't nearly as hard as it was for a black person in Detroit, so your rap is going to really show that. That's very true. And the other thing about Insane Clown Posse is that uh, they basically were rap metal, but you take out the metal, and that just leaves two clowns talking. But you know what? Good on them, because honestly, if the gathering of the Juggalos, other than the Juggalos, is really good. If it was just a fair with wrestling... That's my ideal. If if they have a chili cook-off there, you can't keep me there. You can't keep me from it. I'm going to be walking around in a button-up shirt with it fucking tucked into some fucking, I think, I'm going to say bright blue jeans How did you pronounce tucked in there? How did you do that? Tucked into some blue jeans. That's good. Very blight. And I'm going to have some fucking Brooks shoes on, which I haven't seen since 1993. And I'm going to be like... I saw the chili, and uh, honestly, I think that um, Tyler Breeze had a really good match. I'm satiated. Uh, I will be wearing Steve Madden chunky shoes and um, a crop top, obviously. <laughs> You're a and juggalo. I'm a juggalo, and those goggles that Seth uh, Green wears in the show, in the movie Can't Hardly Wait. And I'm going to talk oh, a lot about... Really good. I'm going to talk a lot about taking ecstasy pills. <laughs> I just took the the pill form of ecstasy, everyone. 
What happens in October that changes the wrestling landscape? Vince McMahon takes ecstasy and says hello to his wife for the first time. And that's how she ends up running for senator. I can believe again, she d- was heard to say. Oh, sugar, isn't this interesting? Vince is trying to say hi to me. He must be addicted to barbiturates again. Oh, lemon pie. He's off, he's, he's off his rocker once more. The big boss man is signed by the W. Yeah, there we go. Becoming the greatest heel in the history of professional wrestling. He was the greatest baby face. And now he's best the greatest hi- Best heel. hire they made this year. Best hire they made this year. Best reveal of uh, this year also is the big boss man just shows up at a balaclava looking like an IRA terrorist. Mm-hmm. They never acknowledge him. There's like Vince McMahon's got a bodyguard. And then when it's revealed, the big it's the big boss man. Everyone just is like, fucking hell yeah. This is the best bo- run of boss man's career. And uh, but I will say this, even though I stood and screamed with joy when I saw this, and uh, my friend told me to calm down, and I said, "Why Absol- would you get excited except to experience this moment on Earth?" But they, I knew they had no one. If the big boss man's going to be your main, but I disagree. I disagree with your th- your thesis. It's not that they don't have anyone. It's that they're repackaging and repurposing everyone. And the way that they use their very limited roster, this is the only time where they do it properly and well. They make no bad decisions with these people, not fucking once. Yeah. The way they use the boss man, impeccable. The way they use the rock, impeccable. The way they use Mark Henry, hell do they, yeah, baby. Yeah, they use everyone really, really well, but this is really evident that Vince is running on fresh ideas. So this is all going to be really good because... He's running on fresh ideas. The yeah, he's listening to someone get- else. Say it again, John, that you're, he's listening to new people because that seems to be your only point during the Attitude Era. Okay, I will. Um, I was just mocking myself there. Ooh, uh-oh, John, you have to treat a burn. You did yourself. The classic Vince uh, getting the gun pulled on him and peeing his pants happens oh, on October and why 19th. And this is the start of this is the start. Dub, dig it in, baby, because this is the start of Mr. McMahon. This is when Mr. McMahon is at his best because Stone Cold's punking him out every single week. It's a different version of the same TV show he had with Hulk Hogan where, yeah, there's some cussing and there's some bobos and there's some bleeding, um, but Stone Cold Steve Austin is, in the end, a better babyface than Hulk Hogan because there's he's smaller, so there's way more believable heels that you can throw up against him. And every single week, he gets one over on Vince McMahon in a fun way that doesn't hurt like he beats him up but he doesn't like really fuck him up absolutely the other thing that this is predicated on vince mcmahon stacking the deck against austin at a pay-per-view the undertaker and kane um both try and pin they both pin austin they're supposed to announce who is the um they both pin austin it doesn't announce who the champion is then there's the zamboni then that leads to either he hunts him after this or it's a, it, he hunts him after he's fired. He fires him because he makes him the special guest referee. The next time, Vince McMahon reveals himself through an amazing sort of like trick of the set that he was behind the set the whole time like a super villain and then fires him. And here is where we start to roll back Vince McMahon listening to people because now we're going into unlimited success of 1999 and Vince thinks it was all his idea when it really fucking truly wasn't well this is the interesting thing and why this character works because when he starts this year vince is getting punked out nonstop by steve austin and that gradually turns into what we have now which is no one's bigger than a mcmahon and we're gonna get to track that where it's like 
Vince is peeing his pants. He gets hit with a fucking bedpan. Um, he gets thrown in a fucking lake. He's got huge arms, but it's still treated as goofy because who cares? He's just some goofy loser. And well, let me still s- a time when the WWE is going, yeah, you can be strong, but you weren't trained as a wrestler. They can like wrestlers know other things that you don't, so they'll still beat you. The greatest thing for re- wrestling, really, the WWF for Vince McMahon's own pocketbook is that he's so horribly non-athletic. Because if he was athletic at all, he would have just beat Stone Cold clean in the middle of the ring. Not during this time, I should say. He wouldn't have beat him clean this time. But, like, years later, he would have just won clean. Like, he fought Hulk Hogan in a match at WrestleMania. And it was like, oh, this could go either way. That's insane. That Well, they kind of predicated that of, like, Hogan's really old now. It doesn't matter, man. It's still, like, Hogan now... Hogan other times is used to clear the ring of your current wrestlers, but he faces Vince McMahon and it's like, wow, this is a real challenge for him. Yeah. He could beat up your entire tag division, but like one Vince McMahon. Oh, how do you get past that? Um, yeah, exactly. He's impossible. He's got a wide penis mm-hmm. and also he has a house that he owns most of. He is a black haired Irishman. How do you fucking compete with it? He has to take baby aspirin for his heart disease. <laughs> this is really interesting too is uh this is when they start their relationship with playboy because she's a green uh, sable appears in playboy in december everyone in the world buys it sunny apparently did not want to appear in playboy that seems like the straw that broke the camel's back and i bet if she could do that one over she would have appeared in playboy let me tell you, I guarantee that was a conversation that if they had recorded it vince mcmahon would just have been immediately Jeffrey Epstein suicided yeah. by the elites. Like he, we can't. <laughs> he would have nineteen ninety eight been in sexual harassment trouble. Yeah, and that basically is like that the is. joke from Dirty Work where you had to put glue on your butt because when someone grabs it, you, they have to have their hand there for at least a year for it to count. If you haven't seen the movie Dirty Work, a wonderful piece of nineties cinema. Survivor series happens <laughs> November fifteenth. It's the one year anniversary <laughs> of the Montreal, Montreal screw job. This, this, and this evening was completely and totally booked by Vince Russo. This is the first time where Vince Russo took complete control and booked every match. You'll notice Jim Cornette never talks about this because this was an absolute success of booking. It was the perfect level of swerves from Vince Russo, i.e., the d- debut of Gilberg. Uh, the amazing buildup of Mick Foley as being the corporate champion throughout the whole thing, shaved in a tuxedo. It's fucking great. Mr. Socko has returned to him. He's this weird tweener character where like fans kind of feel sorry for him because he used to have good matches. He's kind of playing on the Cactus Jack in ECW thing. All great stuff. It then culminates in... Bret Hart comes back, fights Vince McMahon. They both die. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, though the real ending of the pay-per-view is, of course, that... Uh, Vince digs up his father and pins him in the middle of the ring yeah. and says, I'm Vince McMahon Sr. now. And then he takes a shit in his reanimated dad's corpse mouth. Juanita McMahon's corpse is brought to the ring. Vince strips totally nude except for a leopard print thong, winks at the camera. The camera actually is broken by the cameraman and the entire crowd vomits so much that two people drowned in vomit. No one knows how the pay-per-view ended. <laughs> So, um, the Rock Beats Mankind by submission, uh, with a recre- recreation of the screw job finish, as The Rock had turned corporate and really the best move they could have ever made. This is basically is creating the Lex Luthor 
to Steve Austin's um, Superman. Superman. Yeah, that's he has his title. They also have a perfect built-in feud with Mick Foley that gets The Rock ready for that fucking match. It's fucking incredible. And it's really good because you do tweener characters no better than in this year because they have tweener characters where everyone loves Steve Austin, so he is a babyface, but he's just doing heel things. And Vince McMahon is in a lot of ways doing things that are completely understandable and only becomes a cartoonish villain once Austin wins the title and he goes crazy because he hates Stone Cold Steve Austin so much. This guy's been such a fucking dick to me. Why are the fans still fucking cheering him? I don't care if I own this fucking company. Fuck you guys. Of course, there is the huge um, plot hole of why do you want to fire this guy if he's driving your entire business but they explain that he in an interview right after he wins the title says i would rather um have less people at the buildings than have someone so brutish basically as steve austin be my champion no no this is so well thought out then the rock coming in and then immediately them keeping the rock and austin away from each other so basically they focus in on because again austin still has a terrible neck so he basically can't wrestle so he rests shows up just yells at vince mcmahon and this year, is it this year or the beginning of next year? What are you asking me? Um, when Foldy wins the belt. Uh, next year. Because it's the culmination of, like, Mankind, who's another great tweener character. Um, oh, sorry, I'm just, just one sec. I'm just confirming this. Um, Mankind is, yeah, January 4th, 1999. So right at the beginning of the year. Mankind, who's another great uh, tweener character, wants Vince McMahon's approval so much and Austin's just beating the shit out of him, and the entire fan base obviously was just waiting for this guy to be a 100% babyface so they can finally cheer him, which is something they don't do. Like, wrestling is the best, and the best face turns and heel turns are always when there's this really wide dearth of time where they're a tw- where the character is a- in between, because... You're just waiting for them to solidify as 100% good or 100% bad. And then that makes the kind of celebration time of that choice way longer. And that's when 1998, which is totally a Vince Russo thing, because I guarantee Vince Russo wanted... So Vince Russo probably wanted the tweener Vince McMahon, the tweener Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, Austin's a bad example because everyone's cheering him, but the tweener Mankind to just be their characters. So the tweener McMahon and the tweener Mankind, this is what he wants their characters to be. And Jim Cornette was like, no, they have to fucking turn heel or face at some point. And then that's the perfect balance with them where it's like, because of that choice at the end, the Cornette, the old school wrestling, the new school thinking of uh, the in-betweener just having a character of Vince Russo uh, can succeed. A hundred percent. It's, it's all around a phenomenal time. It's a phenomenal. And Vince McMahon, it can't be said better is, is one of the best performers in professional wrestling history. He's an abhorrent man, but he is an amazing, amazing wrestler. And he's listening. That's the important thing is he's listening to the people. It's, it's great. This is the, I would say the year that the reason why we're still talking about the WWF right now is because of the last two years, but in particular, the setup of 97, the punchline of 98. Now let's head into 99 where Triple H is on the rise and everything starts to eat my poo. They more than doubled every single pay-per-view they did. Bear in mind. Yeah. They more than doubled every single pay-per-view. After WrestleMania, it, it was 
in it was nothing but like so it leading up to WrestleMania, three hundred thousand for Royal Rumble ninety eight, uh hundred fifty thousand for In Your House No Way Out, and then seven hundred and thirty thousand for WrestleMania, and then it doesn't dip. Um you have a weird over the edge. Oh boy, that's not gonna be fun next year. Over the edge oh, yeah. uh, is two hundred thousand. Is, is over the edge nineteen ninety nine and by the way, everyone everyone Dylan loves it. He loves it. It's his favorite pay-per-view. <laughs> John, no. What's his favorite match? Blue Blazer Godfather. But they make like a hundred thousand dollars at every at merchandise at most of these events. And the only the only one they don't are because the merch it, the merch is insane because like the the least they make is uh for fully loaded ninety eight, which is just under ten thousand people, which was a complete sellout, and the merch was seventy one thousand. Which, yeah, and they're in Fresno. They're making nine dollars a person. They're essentially in a small. They're in like a small ass town, and then and it was because they're like, oh, we guess we should do a pay per view then. But who cares? Vince McMahon is Scrooge McDucking in money. He is now, make no mistake, realized his childhood dream of being a f- actual fucking professional wrestler. Within the first five months of the year, in merchandise, they've made my salary as a stand up comedian. <laughs> yeah well i mean it took them on by my calendar till king of the ring 98 to make half of my salary but they're doing yeah well dylan good. you get you do very well yeah i make a lot of money uh selling my skid marked underwear yeah dylan uh dylan sells his underwear to polish uh men mm-hmm. yeah the polish love it he has a lot of skid marks and they it's not sexual they just find it very funny in their country it's called skidding and it's just you show people underwear in a glass jar that has big stains. And they're like, Bill, don't you get me on. This man cannot wipe. This is yeah. ridiculous. This man wipe like Russian, which means to say not at all. <laughs> 1998. This may be the new best year of Vince McMahon's life. I mean, fucking WrestleMania 1 was good, but this might be better, baby. Oh, he yeah, came because back. the thing in WrestleMania 1, the, the updated thing is in WrestleMania, now he also gets to defeat an enemy. Yeah, and it's also like he did it again as well. Like it must be like how James Cameron felt when he made like Avatar. <laughs> he was like, "I fucking did it again. Fuck you." Yeah, and this time I'm not married to that woman who's. And then they were like, "Oh wait, but she made a movie this year, and she's gonna beat you at the Oscars because her movie's actually good, and your movie, James Cameron, much like the year 1998." A lot of people liked it at the time. On hindsight, they're going, why did we enjoy that? Oh, yeah, man. This is not... 1998 is not the year everyone thinks of when you think of the Attitude Era because it does not stand up well to criticism. If if you're to equate it to music, 1998 is Limp Bizkit, where everyone at the time was going nuts, and 99... But I mean more so the year 2000 are like raging against the machine where you're like, I could still listen to this, I guess. Yeah. This is pretty good. <laughs> like I'm not like, I don't like everyone involved, but the ones I don't like are not the ones I thought I wouldn't like. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. John, what's the best thing about Vince McMahon during this year of his life? I think we both know what it is. He makes the best signing of his fucking life. Bringing the big boss man back. That's true. The big boss man is the only thing worth mentioning about this year. And yeah. honestly, 
speaking this music, well of the also, big boss man at this point, it makes me feel weird because he is literally dressed like people who are kidnapping uh, protesters right now. Yes, he's dressed like Trump's goons in Portland. What's also important to remember is that's probably where Trump got the idea. And also that in his contract, it stipulated that the big boss man had to psychologically abuse someone in the next three years. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, I don't know why I want this in the contract, but it's not. Listen, I got a car that can tow a casket. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just saying I've dragged away corpses at funerals before. Why am I? Why is this an activity rather than a storyline? All I'm saying is when you want me to, I can make sure that I feed someone a dog. (laughs) So I think Vince McMahon, best thing, clearly, he's one of the best characters in wrestling history. He has been clearly thinking of this for his entire adult life. He did a bit of a tease of Mr. McMahon. If you guys want to watch this, you can watch McMemphis on YouTube. It's an entire chronology of Vince McMahon as the heel essentially doing this character but in 1993 so he doesn't want people to kiss his ass and he isn't obviously pissing and shitting his pants but he's just i'm from the north and you guys are losers uh my superior wrestlers will beat you up look how handsome they are that's it's literally the same thing he comes in like we say about like i say about uh, a lot of territory guys vince mcmahon comes in fully formed and once they make the choice to turn him heel, he's amazing and he runs with it. What's the worst thing? Probably what Sable had to endure friends with yeah, man. Because once say, he just... heard the audience start cheering, he, uh, I guarantee, smiled and said, So I get to be me behind the stage, in front of the stage? Daddy's going to suck some ring. And he came out <laughs> and in, after every women's match, he would lick the ring for 20 minutes. And Clean. And like, well, he's really into his character. And What's like, weird is the crowd character. also was... The crowd was, it, dem- it demanded the crowd, like, you have to be quiet while he does this. You have to, you, we need to hear the tongue flex on the canvas. Yeah, you just heard like. So that's Vince McMahon, 1998. We'll be back next week with another fucking episode of 1999, Vince McMahon. Feeling fine in 1999. Oh, buddy, if Dylan. you thought pissing his pants was bad, we're, isn't it this year, Kiss My Ass Club? Uh, I no, think I think the Kiss My 2000- Ass Club already started because he tried to get The Rock to do it and The Rock said no. Yeah, The Rock was like, no, I'd like to be a movie star one day, so x day on the Kiss My Ass Gay, and he's like, what? Are you speaking French? And then they full fought. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we have a show August 29th in Dorchester Golf and Country Club. There's a link to tickets in the bios if you want to buy oh, those tickets. It's near London, Ontario. In Canada, please... Come see socially distanced comedy where you won't get COVID and you'll have some lulls. Oh, I'll be there. Dylan will be phoning it in. Ooh, I'll be phoning it in, checking my phone a lot. John will be dancing, doing cartwheels. I'll be like, mm, mm, can I go home yet? I'm going to be like a teenager at a funeral. Like everyone else is going to be really affected by what's happening. And I'm going to be like, oh, <laughs> like gone, I care about that. Gone. I don't like it, dad. Oh, God. Dad, can I take a shit yet? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, is the frat girl with heavy uh, heavy periods going to be That's at the show, Dylan? That's going to be next week. I'll figure out how... To, I mean, it's 1999. There'll be a way to put a frat girl with a heavy period in it. And get us on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. At Twitter and Instagram on Patreon. 
if we have anything else to plug, I forget about it. Thanks so much for uh, for listening, guys. Now go stick a fucking hot dog in your booty hole. Everybody, let's get goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye.